the Mississippi Baptist gave our church thousands of dollars to send a team to Peru. You may not know that, but that's how that works. We send money to do many ministries all over the state of Mississippi. And that sweet lady was there talking about her church, which is a church plant made possible by that offering. And I just realized that her pastor carpooled with me to seminary every week uh, some years ago. And uh, I can't believe that guy's pastor. So it's awesome that God's using him. He's a man of God. He loves preaching the Bible, and, and they're reaching people. That sweet lady loves her church, doesn't she? And they're going to they're gonna win people to Jesus. That's exciting. So this morning, now it's time for Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. If you're a guest, welcome home. Welcome to our church. Maybe you're just passing through. Maybe you live here. We're so glad that God brought you this way. And I believe God has a word for you in his, in his word. Luke chapter 10. We're probably going to make it all the way to verse 20, but we'll start out with the first 12 verses. And as we get ready to read this, uh, we are going through the book of Luke, the life of Jesus. And this passage is about the Lord sending out 72 individuals specifically uh, for some specific task. He gives them some very specific instructions. And as we think about this, I want to throw out this. More than anything else in the world, the devil doesn't want you to share your faith. Did you know that? He's afraid of a lot of things. But more than anything else, he is afraid and terrified about people talking to other people about the Lord. I mean, he trembles and so if that's the thing that makes him the most nervous, that's the thing I want to do the most. What about you? It is the power of the gospel that sets people free. So let's see Luke chapter 10, what God has to say to us. After this, verse 1, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your, re- your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that 
town. Whew, okay. So the Lord, he is sending these people out. What are they supposed to do? Well, they're supposed to go announce the gospel. They're supposed to come tell people that the Lord is coming. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, the greatest problem in America is not the Democrats or the Republicans or the Mississippi folks or the California folks, the New York folks or the Oklahoma folks, the Texas folks. The greatest problem in America is that the church is not being the church. That's the greatest problem. You say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, I would say it is because the Roman Empire during the time of the early church, you know how wicked the Roman Empire was? You know how backwards the politics was in the Roman Empire? Do you know how messed up that culture was? Just as much or far worse than America today, yet the gospel flourished. People were getting saved all the time. The churches were growing, and the gospel went forth. So there are no excuses when it comes to us not being obedient to share our faith. I have decided as of two weeks ago to change my strategy when it comes to engaging people out in public. I used to kind of always assume that whoever I run into, they probably know the Lord. You know, they, they probably know Jesus. They're probably saved. Don't you, do anybody agree that y'all do that too? You find yourself just thinking, well, they probably know about the Lord and, and they're probably good folk. They're probably good Louisiana people or good Mississippi folks or good Alabama Baptists. But if, but I'm changing my strategy. I'm just going to start assuming that people out in the world are lost. Because I know 100%, 100% of all the people I engage were born separated from God. So, Pastor, isn't that kind of unkind? No, that's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You say, well, what if you offend somebody? You start telling them the gospel. Well, what's the worst thing that happens? They were, they're reminded of the gospel, and we get to go to heaven together for all eternity. But what if I'm right? What if I'm right? then they can hear about the Lord. If you've never been to the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, and if you get a chance, I want to encourage you to go by there. It's free, and the ice cream is awesome. Okay, so I want to encourage you to do that. Your family will love it. No matter what age you are, you'll love it. But when you walk up on the grounds, you'll be greeted. And when I went, first time I went, I walked up, I was by myself. And these ladies, senior adult ladies, they engaged with me. They welcomed me, and then they said, Sir, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and I love that. I mean, they just straight up got in my Kool-Aid and started asking me if I knew the Lord. And I said, Yes, ma'am, I do. Ten years old, at Kosciuszko, Mississippi, RA camp. I went from darkness to light. The Lord changed me, and I hadn't got over it yet. So I love that. And we should love that. We should want to talk about our faith Verse 1, the Lord appointed 72. This is exactly what happened uh, a few moments earlier in the Luke. Uh, whenever Jesus sent out the 12. You guys remember, those of you that were here, Apostello, the sent out ones, uh, they were sent out. Well, this is exactly what happens again, except for now it's not just 12, it's 72. And it's interesting, we don't read about these 72 anymore in the Bible. We don't see them anymore, named as the 72. So I think they just went and did what God asked them to do. They came back. And then after that, we don't know exactly what happened. But they got a picture of what God wanted them to be about. And for the believer, 
This is what God wants us to be about. For the church, this is what God wants us to be about. The church is made up of Christians, and Christians have been given a mandate. You know what that mandate is? Go and make disciples. That's it. And we have figured out to do everything else under the sun except for go and make disciples. And that's what God's called us to do. If we don't do anything else, that's what we need to be focused on. Go into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Some scholars say that there's no way that Jesus would have gotten to all of these little towns and villages between there and Jerusalem in the time frame that he had to go to the cross. And so it's almost prophetic that the gospel is going to come to all those towns that he's talking about here. It's almost a commissioning. It's prophetic. The gospel is going to come. And then he says in verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Isn't that true? The harvest is plentiful. I mean, there's people everywhere that the Lord loves. No matter their background, no matter their race, God loves them all the same. You believe that? All the same, God loves them, and he wants them to repent, come to faith in Christ. So God's called us to make disciples. And because the harvest is plentiful, what does Jesus say to the disciples? What are they supposed to do? Pray. Therefore, pray. Anybody ever thought they find themselves doing something? Maybe you're volunteering, or maybe you're doing something. You say, man, we need some more people to help us out. Maybe you're teaching children. This morning, I got to go to all the children's classes, and I got to just encourage them to make sure they behave and respect the teacher. I said, we can just, we'll pull you out of this class if we have to, but we are believing in you kiddos to change the world. We believe God's raising you up. He's got a special plan for your life. But if you ever feel that burden, you see here that Jesus felt that burden. And so here's the solution. He says, pray, pray, pray that God would raise up laborers into the harvest. We figured out to do a lot of things except for the main thing, I'm afraid. We've made up our own sets of rules in churches, our own list of to-dos instead of the main thing. What if we said, uh, we've got a group of fishermen here in Bay St. Louis, which we've got some of the best, right, in the whole world. But what if, let's say, our, our city's known for fishing, and we want to be the best fishermen ever, and so we, we make sure that we've... Uh, spent years and years and years studying. We've asked the greatest fishermen how to become better at fishing, and we, and we go get the best fishing poles, and we, we go find the best bait, and we learn the best strategies, and we find the best places. We figured out ways to find the fish. Where are they? When are they coming through? What's the tide doing? We've got the best boats, the best way to get there, and yet we do not fish. And that's what the American church, sometimes we fall into that trap of doing all these things. And we forget that God has called us to be fishers of men. And if we'll do that, that will impact everything else. That will help restore families. That will help reduce the number of orphans in the foster care system. That will help get people off of drugs and alcohol addiction. That will help set people free, the gospel. In fact, it's the only thing that will set people free. The Lord tells them to go your way. I'm sending you out, what does he say, as lambs. What does that mean? Well, you cannot force the gospel on somebody. You can't take your Bible, you know, take your Bible, 
and thump them over the head and say, become a Christian, right? You can't do that. Sheep, behold, as sheep, and, and the Lord send them out, and he says, look out for the wolves. And then in verse 4, he says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, no extra sandals, and greet no one on the road. Now, this is very difficult for us, but this is a specific set of instructions the Lord gives to these 72. Now, why would the Lord do that? I mean, they needed a knapsack. They needed to be able to sleep. They needed food. I mean, Lord, let us pack some Gatorade or something. Let me take some ibuprofen. But he says, don't take anything with you. Nothing. For this specific task and this, for these 72. Why did the Lord do this? Because he was teaching them his sufficiency. He was teaching them if they will trust him, he'll take care of them. He'll give them a place to sleep. He'll give them some food. Might not be the food they prefer, but he would give them some food. He will take care of them. And then he says, and greet no one on the road. You say, well, I am from South Louisiana, and that's just plain rude. You got to talk to people. Mississippi is a hospitality state. Greet no one on the road. Well, the greeting they're talking about here is a Jewish Old Testament greeting. And in this day, they took a long time. Very formal. Uh, they, they would greet, and, and they'd go through this long process of conversation. Where are you from? What are you doing? And yada, yada, yada. And so the Lord's telling them, we don't have time for those long greetings. Say hello and get on your way. And I think an application for us is this. We should live with gospel urgency. We should, if, if they didn't have time to go through an a greeting, that means God had something for them to do. Somewhere he wanted them to go. Greet no one on the road. So a question for us from this passage. Are you living with gospel urgency? Are you living with New Testament urgency? Think about that. We get in a, in a hurry for a lot of things. Walmart's about to close. We got to do this. We got to make it here. We've got to go to the doctor. But do we ever get in a hurry about serving the Lord and getting the gospel to people? Verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. This is one verse where we get the evangelism strategy. We're looking for people of peace. Have you ever heard that before? Looking for people of peace. Well, what are people of peace? People of peace are, are those people who are interested in the things of God. It may be somebody, let's say you're going to the doctor and you sit in this waiting room with all these people. And it may be that person that grabs that Gideon New Testament on the, coffee, on the coffee table and is reading the Bible in the doctor's office. It may be that person that sees your Cruising for Christ t-shirt says, hey, what's that shirt mean? Hey, where do you go to church? It's those people that are interested in the things of God. And those people are the ones that are ready to hear or will be ready to hear the gospel. And so the Lord says to these 72, stay at that house. Stay at that house. Sleep there. Verse 7, and remain in that house 
Interesting. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. You say, why would the Lord do that? Seems like they should get to know more people. Maybe they should stay in a different house every single night. So how do we get something out of this verse? How do we apply this? It appears to me that the Lord is telling them to guard against manipulation, guard against trying to alter your circumstances just to say, stay in a better house. They may say, well, this house, uh, the people in this house snore too loud. Or the people in this house, uh, they don't have air conditioning. Or the people in this house, we, we don't like it. But if that's where God planted them to stay, he wanted the disciples to not manipulate to stay in a different house. Do not go from house to house. And it's interesting. Even, okay, the disciples are going out, they're ministering all day long, but they had to eat and they had to sleep. They needed shelter. Basic things. They needed those things. And the Lord knew that. And so even in those basic things, the Lord wanted them to be intentional. He wanted them to be intentional. Question, are you living a life that's intentional? Are you living a life that's intentional? I mean, if you're going to go rest, then rest. If you're going to go eat, eat. If you're going to work, work. Be intentional. What's the word intentional? It means to be on purpose. Live life on purpose. Be intentional. So even, even whenever they slept and where they stayed at the homes, the Lord wanted the disciples to be intentional. Are you living life on purpose? Or are you just bouncing, away, bouncing around like a, a pogo stick? Are you just bouncing here and bouncing there and, and letting your to-do list drive and dictate your life instead of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, what does today hold for me? Verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, Eat what is set before you. Oh, this is a great verse. Become all things to all people. The disciples were going to have to go stay in these homes. And some of these towns were Samaritan houses and communities. Different ethnic groups and different backgrounds and their different food cultures. And the Lord says to these disciples, whatever's set before you, eat it. Whether you like it or not, eat it. Why? To become all things to all people. Sometimes we have to do things that are uncomfortable to win people to the Lord. When was the last time you did something that was uncomfortable to win people to the Lord? In America, food is one of our gods, isn't it? I mean, we spend time on it. We spend a whole lot more money than we should on it. And Probably half the congregation is thinking about food right now, and I'm one of them. But food, it, it's, and, and it's okay to like food. Anybody love to cook? I love to cook. I love food. I love to eat food. God gave us food. I appreciate it. My wife's the opposite. She doesn't appreciate food. She, she eats because she says she has to eat. So she can eat the same. She can eat a ham sandwich every single day, all day, for the rest of her life. Because she says, it doesn't really matter. I just have to eat. 
Now, some people, you're like that, and that's a great blessing. But for me, I just appreciate the finer things in life, like Mexican cornbread. I like Mexican cornbread and turnip greens. Oh, man, it's good stuff. Grace, all good things come from above, right? But here the Lord tells the disciples, eat what's set before you. Eat what's set before you. Become all things to all people so that you may win some. So sometimes we've got to do things that's uncomfortable. We may not like it. We may not want to taste it. But the mission is more important than our comfort. They don't sell books on this. The mission's more important than our comfort. Verse 9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The disciples were given this special supernatural ability in this passage to heal people. Unique. Now, we, we would see after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of all believers, and all believers can pray for healing, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But in this passage, these disciples are given a unique healing ability. And by the way, only God can heal, right? Only the Lord can heal. He says to these guys, heal people, heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Aren't you glad we don't have to pay money? Pay money or go find a a priest to be able to be healed? Aren't you glad we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops? But when we hurt and we're broken, we can call on God right there. Access to the Lord through Jesus, his son. God, you know I'm hurting. You know I'm broken. God, you know my marriage is hurting. You know my family's hurting. You know my family member. You know my friend, my neighbor. God, would you heal them in Jesus' name? And sometimes God will heal them supernaturally. Whether you believe that or not, God can do it. He still heals. And sometimes he chooses to heal ultimately. He takes them home. And I believe that's even more a wholesome way to be healed, right? Healed completely. Then verse 10 through 12, the Lord says, when you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, how embarrassing for these towns to have the disciples go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. So there was not a house of peace in those towns. Not one house opened up their home. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And then 13 through 20, the Lord gives some woes and some warnings. And we don't like reading these kind of verses, but let's read them because they're in God's word. Woe to you, Chorazin, it's the city. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Verse 17. So, sorry, 13 through 16 
the Lord is pronouncing judgment on these cities until either they repent or until the Lord comes back again. Now, verses 17, the the 72, they come back. They return with joy. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, the great verse. You might want to write this verse down if you don't write any of them down. This applies to all New Testament believers. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. That doesn't mean there's not spiritual battles. But at the end of the day, as a believer, because of who Christ is inside of us, you have power over, it says, authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are what? Are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're going to heaven forever. Rejoice that that you're not going to have to fight this little earthly battle anymore, this battle of the flesh and this spiritual battle. You're going to be free forever and ever and ever. And in those cities that, where there wasn't a peace, house of peace, the Lord says, the judgment is coming. He tells the disciples, you shake it off. When you shake off your feet, it's symbolic gesture saying that this town, this person, these homes, they're in a state of condemnation. Is your home today in a state of condemnation? Friend, if you have not repented, if you have not received Christ, then your life is in a state of condemnation. You're found guilty. One of our children in my family, please don't say anything to them about this, but one of them stole something from the store one time. And uh, so it was a little ball, and, and so we had to take it back. And I said, you're going to take that back to that store. And my child said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, you're going to take this ball back. So we go in the store, and the kid just starts crying. Daddy, you got to talk. I said, well, I'll do most of the talking, but you're going to have to apologize. You're going to have to say, I'm sorry. So we go up to the customer service, and the kid puts the, the ball out and said, ma'am, my child would like to say something to you. And they, they stole this ball, and they've come to bring it back. My kid said, I'm sorry. And the lady said, thank you for being honest. And said goodbye. As we walked away, my child said, Daddy, next time I steal something, you're doing all the talking. (laughs) So I said, you're not repentant. You're not. And I said, one day, as you get older, when you steal stuff, you're going to go to jail. And you can say, I'm sorry, all day long, but you're still going to sit in jail. And you might have to stay all night. And, and Daddy can come see you and say hello and pray for you, but you're going to have to stay in jail. They might bring you some food, and you'll be okay. You'll probably just have to stay one night. But there's consequences for our actions. 
God's saying here today to everybody in this room, He does not tolerate sin. It offends Him, and it sent His Son to the cross. And when there's sin in the camp, God will expose it, and He will remove it. And when we, when we as a church, when we as our, in our families, when we tolerate sin to come into our homes, into our lives, it comes and it will destroy us from the inside out. So what's the purpose of all this passage? And what, what's God saying to us today? I believe God's telling us that we need to make sure that we are spreading the gospel. I mean, if we're going to fish, let's fish for people. Spread the gospel. You say, well, I'm just really not a... I'm not good at talking to people. Can we have anybody confess that? I'm just not good at talking to people, especially about Jesus, especially about my faith. Anybody? Yeah, that's you. I want to encourage you. I hope this encourages you. When you find a person of peace and you find somebody that God puts in your path and you feel like you're supposed to talk to them, but you feel so inadequate and you feel like you're just terrible at it. In fact, this whole sermon bothers you because you just don't want to do it or think about it. As you start your conversation, just say this. I want to go ahead and tell you that I'm not good at talking to people. Just tell them. Say, I want to go ahead and warn you that I'm not good at communicating about my faith. Just tell them that right up front. And you know what's going to happen? That will open, most people, that, that, they will have that humility and they will listen. You will have their attention. Just say it hey, I want to talk to you about something, but I'm really bad at talking. I'm really, I, I struggle with communicating. But I want to tell you something that's changed my life. You say, well, I, I still, I, I hear you, Pastor, but that's just not me. I, I can't do this. I, I'm just not, I'm, that's not who I am, and I'm never going to be that person. May I remind you, the Lord gave up his rights and when you accept Christ, you give up your rights, and you rest crucified with the Lord. It's just no longer about how you feel, how comfortable you are. God is calling you. And this morning, the Spirit of God's in this house right now, and He's saying, you can do this. You don't have to have a degree to do this. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to do this. You don't have to be a deacon at the First Baptist Church to do this. You can do this. You can tell your story. You can tell His story. Just go do it. Just go do it. It's harvest time is what the Lord is saying to us this morning. You know, the person that stands on the pier when a, a person is drowning, the man that stands on the pier and then jumps in and starts to rescue the drowning man, he's not the one that has to explain himself. The people that have to explain themselves are the ones that standing on the pier just watching and not doing anything to help. And that's the picture of many American Christians. People are dying and lost and going to hell. And we're just telling, okay, have a nice day. Good to see you. The Lord's calling us to go fish. You say, I don't think I can, you can do it. Or maybe, no, you can't do it, but he can do it through you. It's harvest time. Are you ready for harvest time? Are you ready for the fall? Are you ready to see people get saved? Doesn't take much effort. Just paying attention a little bit. I ran into a gentleman by the name of Brad. 
recently and talked to him just for like two minutes. He looked up, he looked up our church. He looked up, he called me. He said, hey, can I talk to you sometime? Just out of the blue. Last week, and I got to share the gospel with Brad. And then last week, Wendy, who's sitting right here, our sweet dear sister who received Christ last week, she told her coworkers what God's doing in her life. Most of them supported her. She even told a few of her coworkers, you can look at me with crazy eyes, but what God's doing in my life's real, and I don't care what you think. Now, that's awesome. Being unashamed of the gospel. Senior adult, are you unashamed of the gospel? Baby boomer, are you unashamed of the gospel? Teenager, are you unashamed of the gospel? Young 30s with little kids, are you unashamed of the gospel? Single, adult, life of the party person, are you unashamed of the gospel? The Lord's saying, you can do it. You can do this. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be a professional. Pay attention. Join God where he is at work. You're in your workplace for for a reason. It's not just to make money. You're there to spread the love of Jesus. You're in your apartment complex, your condo, your neighborhood for a purpose. To spread Jesus. You go to that coffee shop, that donut shop, sure to get a donut, sure to drink coffee, sure to talk and have a good time. But at the end of the day, you're there to be a fragrance of Christ. And when people get drugged down in the, just the political muck of the day, you rise above all that and say, look, history's running right on time. History's running right on time. The Lord knows what he's doing. You point people to the hope of Jesus. Ladies, when you're in that, that salon and those ladies start gossiping, you just have a gentle and quiet spirit, which is what God, the Bible says is of great worth in God's sight. And then when God gives you a word, woman of God, you speak it. You speak it with the boldness of Queen Esther and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you speak that word in love. You point people to the hope of Jesus. Students, you're not just in your school just to get an education. You're in your school for a purpose. You're in your school because people need the Lord. You're in your homeschool group for a purpose. You're in your private school for a purpose. You're on this planet for a purpose. God has a special plan for your life, everybody in here. It's up to you to follow that plan. Let's pray. Father, your word is like a hammer. And God, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it challenges. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. But God, you love us, and you don't want us to stay where we're at. God, you're preparing us for heaven. And so, Lord, we thank you today for this example of these 72. Lord, they didn't get distracted. They didn't get distracted by the news. They didn't get distracted by the latest device. They weren't distracted by the latest, the coolest book. God, they were focused on doing exactly what you asked them. And so, Father, I pray. Lord, we pray that as a church family, Lord, that we would do exactly what you ask of us and you're asking us today 
to simply tell your story. So God, help us to be obedient, to join you, to be on mission. Father, for people in this invitation time that need encouragement, God, would you encourage them? Lord, during this time, would you give people courage to make decisions that you're calling them to make? God, we give you these moments and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You respond as God leads you this morning. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can